Thank you for joining us today for our live podcast here at the Biomedical Summit in Las Vegas. My name is Lauren Miller. I am the Health Equity Coordinator here at NMEC and the Center to End the Epidemics. We're so excited to have you a part of our podcast today. Today's event is also a part of NMEC's partnership with the CDC PAC program. NMEC is proud to be working with the CDC and community-based organizations and other trusted messengers to help share materials from the Let's Stop HIV Together campaign. You can find out more at the cdc.gov stop HIV together. I'm so excited to be joined by the three ladies to my love, Zahara Bassett from Chicago. She is the CEO and founder of Life is Work. Also, Latanya Wilkins from Atlanta, who is a part of Thrive SS, where she serves as a case manager. Thank you for joining us. And I'm joined at the end by Regina Livingston, who is from Florida. She is the executive director of the Unspoken Treasure Society. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Thank you for being a part of today's podcast. I'm going to start with you first, just to tell us a little bit about yourself, your name, and about your organization as well. Absolutely. So my name is Sahara Bassett. My pronouns are she, her, and hers. I'm the founder and CEO of Life is Work, a black and brown social service based in Chicago, Illinois, I'm sorry. Um, and our work is Thrive out of a workforce development, housing, and HIV and PrEP. Thank you, Sahara. I'll pass it to you next, Latanya. Hi, I'm Latanya Wilkins. I'm a case manager at Thrive Supportive Services. Thrive stands for Transforming HIV Resentment into Victories Everlasting. As a case manager at Thrive, I help people who are living with HIV alleviate some of the barriers that may be contributing to them not being able to remain engaged in care or getting linked to care. I also help people who are seeking to HIV prevention methods and link them to care as well. Thank you. And Regina, please. My name is Regina Livingston. I am the executive director and founder of Unspoken Treasure Society, Gainesville, Florida, with the drop-in center also in Jacksonville, Florida. And our mission is to give a voice to the voiceless in our trans community, the most marginalized of our trans community. We do testing, health education. We also provide resources for those in need. So we just assess the needs in each area and we take care of those people. Thank you so much, Regina. Yeah. And thank you so much, ladies, for all the amazing work that you're doing in community. Without you all, I know that we would be in dire needs for folks to help our people out. We're going to start with our first podcast session, right, of the day, which is what experiences help shape your view of sex and sexuality? I'll start with you, Zahara. Um, I would have to say, for me, what experience shaped my view on sexuality was since I was a child. Being in tune with my body, but also um, being introduced to sexual experience at a young age. So that kind of like exposed me more so than anything. For me, that's kind of how I got in tune with knowing what sex what sex is, period. Okay. So learning about sex at an early age. Yeah. So were these positive things that you were learning or were they negative? Well, <laughs> um, I would have to say they were negative. What I would say is 15, um, I was exposed to sex work okay. um, at a very early age. And that came from, actually, I want to say 16, 16, 17. And that came from discrimination of like trying to get jobs. I grew up in a white, um, in a white collar family that everyone worked, had jobs, you know, no drugs or anything like that. So for me, it was always being denied because of my right. identity that led me into the work and led me into finding out like, you know, before I knew about sex, I knew I was trans. I knew that I had 
you know, something that was different there about me. So it was never a sexual thing for me. It was always just, this is me. So introduced into sex was being, you know, picked up by a man that offered me $100. Right. And I needed a room, so... <laughs> Thank you for sharing. And I'm glad that you brought up this subject of sex work because that's going to be something that we're definitely going to talk a little bit more about later. Latanya, I'm going to ask you the same question as well. What experiences shaped your view of sex and sexuality? I guess I was introduced to sex at an early age as well. I hate to say it was introduced to me in a traumatic fashion because I have turned that into more of a purposeful right. existence. So I started having sex at the age of nine and was always curious okay. <laughs> about, you know, what else was there, okay? I know that tab A goes into slot B, but what <laughs> else is there? Right. So I started exploring, you know, as I got older. Thank you for sharing, Regina. And thank you for your transparency, too. I know that on a panel such as this, it might be a little difficult to have these conversations. But sex is something that we all do. Mm -hmm. And within our community, there is so much stigma around people living with HIV and the sex that we have, Black women, our bodies, our sexuality, being in control of who we are, even our femininity or masculinity. Mm -hmm. All of those things are often policed by communities. So thank you for stepping out there and owning your own truth and owning your own narrative. Regina, I'm going to pass the question to you next. For me, I was a late bloomer, okay. but I was very, very nosy. Oh. So I was one of those people that uh, I would go in my mother's room and dig around in her stuff. And so I happened to find some porn tapes. Okay. <laughs> so I would watch her VHS porn tapes while she was at work, and I would please myself. <laughs> I love that. Yes. <laughs> and so, through my high school years, that's why I never had intercourse because I was pleasing myself. Oh. And I would love to watch the tape over and over and over again. Oh. <laughs> so that's how it came to be. And I lost my virginity at 22. Oh, wow. Mm. That's when I actually lost my virginity. Wow, thank you. So, she was a grown woman. A grown woman. <laughs> so then that takes me to my next question. Would you consider yourself sexually conservative or sexually liberal? Mm. I started out definitely conservative. Okay. Because I was all into, I'm a woman and oh, I have to do this and don't touch me down there and you know, <laughs> all that stuff. But eventually, I was introduced to being touched down there and I liked it. Yes. So it's similar to I kissed the girl and I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm very liberal. Yes. I, I like trying new things. Mm. I'm very sexual. I love to experience new things. And so, yes, I'm very liberal. Thank you, Regina. Latanya, same question. Conservative or liberal? <laughs> I am definitely liberal. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I am definitely liberal. I uh, I'm part of the swing community. Okay, I've been a swinger for about 16 years. Yeah, so I'm definitely sexually liberal. I dabbled into some other kinks and stuff because I like to learn new things and yes. explore. So yeah, I'm liberal. <laughs> yes. And by the way, speaking of learning new things, folks here at the Biomedical Summit have learned a lot about sex, yes. pleasure, yeah. HIV, and STI prevention, and everything that's new on the landscape. We learned those things here at the Biomedical yes, Summit. Yes, yes, Same question for I you. I would have to say <laughs> I'm, in, I'm, on, I'm in a balance of both a little bit because I am conservative. Like, I'm a... Like, I, 
as we said earlier in the conference in the opening, I pretty much don't like talking about sex, but I, I did this because of you, my sister. But <laughs> <laughs> thank you, <laughs> yeah. thank you. For I doing... cringe, you know, I cringe. <laughs> so that's why I say I'm, I'm I'm a little bit in between because you know I have you know had experience as a sex worker, so I will okay. say I'm liberal in that way. But you know to be open and to you know be free and all, it's like I'm kind of a little bit more conservative in that yeah. part. Yeah. Um, and I think that a lot of that too comes from my upbringing of like, yes. you know, with that conservatorship of like, you know, your business is your business and nobody else should know what you're doing. As they say, we're freak behind closed doors or whatever yeah, that is. Lady that in the <laughs> so I think the I'm more so, in the streets. Lady in the streets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think I'm more of that type of person where I, you know, I know how to cut loose when nobody else is watching. I get the feeling that you might be a lady in the streets and the sheets. <laughs> well, listen. <laughs> listen, I do, I do tie my hair up at night. <laughs> I do believe in that. These wigs cost. Listen. Thank you. <laughs> listen. But uh, yeah, I would have to say that I'm, I'm a little bit in between of both, um, liberal and conservative because like I say I do believe in sex positivity I do believe in owning your own body but in a way too like my for myself I you know I'm a little shy and I like to you know yes thank you that was that's I like that that's very interesting thank you for doing it for me sis because yes. I know you my girl Anytime. <laughs> I love all the amazing work that you do in Chicago with life is work and be sure to um check um Sahara out when you get a chance she's been doing some amazing things my next question is about you know growing up right about sex education was it available for you did you have specifically not even so much about sex education but did you have someone trusted that you could talk to about sex and if you don't mind, um, if you could share who that person was and how those experiences worked out for you. Well, for me, I had my cousin that I talked to. She was yes. the person that I came out to. She was the person that I talked about everything with. And so it was just interesting. You yeah. know, I, we never, I, like I said, I was a late bloomer when it came to intercourse and stuff like that. I flirted with boys and we did this thing we call hunching. Mm. So that's when you have on your clothes and y'all be gyrate y'all body. That was the thing for us hunching. Now in high school we did have a, a sex education course in which we talked about the basics of how you get STDs, how babies are born right. and, and stuff like that. And it was important when we were growing up to have these classes to teach us. And so that's why I think it's a shame now that they don't want our youth to learn. Yes, definitely mm -hmm. so. Latanya, same similar question. So I didn't have access to a comprehensive sexual education. Uh, all of my sexual experiences now were trial and error. Okay. So in, as far as having someone I could trust to talk about sex, it goes back to my first sexual experience being at the age of nine was a family member. And I had uh, developed a trust with that person, but later in life realized that, oh, yeah, that was actually the bad person. Mm. And the person that I thought I could trust shunned me for asking questions. So, you know... Mm. It, it was a little skewed and it was like one of those, you know, don't you ever say that again. Don't ask that what you know, you know. So I was shamed about my curiosity. Thank you for thank you for mentioning it. So so there was some type of stigma, basically. Um, mm -hmm. And you even asking these questions. What other levels of stigma did you experience as a woman when you wanted to find out more about your body 
sexuality, but of the stigma that you experience. So uh, one of the things I remember being called growing up fast mm-hmm. because I was a very curious person sexually. I remember asking a boyfriend of mine recently, like, I wonder if I am a hypersexual because of how I was conditioned in my younger years, or is that just a part of who I am? And he told me, he said, because you'll drive yourself crazy trying to figure out the why. Just accept who you are, you know, and, and, uh, you know, and go with that. Mm. But as far as being called fast because I was hypersexual, it did cause me to feel a way about, okay, maybe something is wrong with me. Maybe my programming is off or something. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you, Latanya. I think that... Oh, I'm good now, girl. I know you are. Oh, boo, trust me. One thing that I want you all to know is that I know the ladies on these panel very well. They are some amazing folks. So I know. But I just wanted to definitely share my sentiments because I am learning some new things about you as well. And I'm just really just happy and overjoyed that you're here on this panel at MAC and at the Biomedical Summit. Mm-hmm. And you're sharing such bravery with us. It is totally commendable. And I'm going to give you a big hug when this is over with. I have a relationship that she has with you, but I've developed a relationship with you, but saying no to you is not in my vocabulary. It's not. It's so not. Oh my God, y'all. We're going to have to have another podcast um, here shortly. It's going to be a sister circle dance. And we're going to talk about all the love um, that we have for each other. But guess what? We're going to talk about sets just a little bit more. So I want to know from you, Zahara, (laughs) as you were navigating um, through life as a Black woman, what is stigma that you experienced about sets or sexuality or even your body in that? Well, if I'll be honest with you, I was labeled um, at a very early age, early in my transition, as a sex symbol, this whole thing. Um, And I fought for many years to discard of that from my whole presenting. Because people, I mean, I used to have very big, blunt, foolish breasts, you know, all this body. I couldn't (laughs) go out half the time without guys honking and... You know, people say, oh, you want to take you out on a date? It's like, of course, they want something in return. Yeah. So it was always like, and I never could understood, I never could understand, like, why is everybody always just want to, can we say that on here? Say whatever you want, love. Why does everybody want to just want to fuck me? (laughs) Right. (laughs) So so I had, um, one of my girlfriends had told me, um, she was like, look at you. We were actually in Atlanta. We was on our way in Gladys Knights. And she said, girl, look at you. You got all these big breasts. You got all this body. What do you think? that? What else do you think they want? And as we were walking into the restaurant, the guys had walked, drove past and they honked the horn. And she's like, see, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> so, of course, for me, as trying to, you know, erase that stigma off me and erase that, you know, of looking at me in that way, of course, I went back and got my breasts smaller, yeah. you know, to kind of blend in more because I felt like that, I was only attracting people that only wanted to have sex with me. Right. And not get to know who I am and get to right. know the, the behind all this sexuality is still a brain behind here and a, right. and a heart that cares, you know? Right. Along with doing the work, as, of course, right. as well. But that's kind of, you know, where I landed with it. Right. But the reality is just that you were just existing in your skin, your bones mm-hmm. that God gave you. Mm-hmm. And... Because you're a voluptuous, lovely woman, this shaped your experiences mm-hmm. throughout life. And then for you to have to go and get, you know, mm-hmm. reduction surgeries so just to have a life of peace it really says a lot about the culture and society that we live in. Mm-hmm. And I know you mentioned hypersexuality. I don't think that's 
any of our problems. I think the world that we live in, it's, it's truly hypersexualized. Well, I tell people that sex is natural. It's yes, a natural it human desire, period. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I'm not going to allow people to shame me. I mean, I've been called a succubus. <laughs> yes. Okay. A lot of people are, they try to shame people who are comfortable yes. within their sexuality because they're ashamed of theirs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They can't come out and be open with their sexuality. Yeah. So that's that's something that I've noticed in our community. A lot of people do. Found you know, the inner. Mm, they haven't they found shame the inner you. then. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. They haven't found what I think Michelle Lopez said, that they're Lola. Lola, yeah, Lola. Yes, she did say that. Find Lola secretly. Mm-hmm. They do all these things secretly, and mm-hmm. they don't want them told, or they don't want them to come to the light. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, mm-hmm. and they will come to you in secret mm-hmm. after they done talked about you to the world. They will come to you in secret, wanting you to share some of those desires. Listen, <laughs> yes, they will. can we go into? I mean, listen, because I mean that even just say, and I hate to take this here, but that goes into say like even with this head is straight men. Right. Of how, you know, growing up, I would be hagged. I used to get chased on the train. Whole bit. And it'd be funny, like, we had a gym time come or, like, catching me in the hallway on an absent day, honey. The right. same boy didn't chase me Right. Home, it's the same Trying to pull up me your in alley. a damn janitor closet <laughs> <laughs> to get yes. on my knees. I know about that. <laughs> yes, definitely. See what their mouth Listen. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. So you brought it up, but let's mm-hmm. talk about it a little bit more. Let's talk about sex work in our community. Mm-hmm. Um, the question that I have is... Um, well, first, let me say, you know, we live in a culture now, right? Where it's like, it's, it's city girl this, it's Birkin bag me this, and mm-hmm. different things. So we know that sex work is existing in some capacity, even here in Vegas. We mm-hmm. see it everywhere. But why is it shunned upon in the same way, you know, especially when a woman leads with the conversation. Maybe she's not saying Birkin bag me. She's saying $500 me or, you know, I need this amount of money for, you know, this time in, in this place. Why do you think that the two, like, commercial sets work versus, I don't know, I'm going to make, make my own word up, like, implied sets work. Why do you think commercial sets work is so frowned upon? Right? <laughs> Actually, because you're free. Because you're free. Yeah. <laughs> because you're free. Yeah. You're free mm-hmm. within to you, you to do, do what you want to do. And I was about to say that too. It's another way to try to control you. Like if they cannot, they they feel like they lack that control, so they want to shame you out of your position in that. I'll say this: social norms are are a part of a of are a product of the oppression system. Yes, it is. Um, and when we sit back and we say policing bodies, this is what irritates me about the whole society thing. It's like telling someone what they can and cannot do with their bodies. Yes. And then with the whole stigma of hating on people who are living freely to do whatever the hell they want to do with their bodies. Yes. You know, my thing is this, that I tell people this, that, you know, whether you look at it or not, your mama was a sex worker, your grandma was a sex worker. Baby, when she was in there cooking that cornbread for your granddaddy coming home and mm-hmm. she knows she needed some extra money to pay that light bill or get you some new shoes for Easter. And the milkman was coming back. <laughs> mama had to do what she had to do. It's just in another form, but it's, it's the same thing. It's the same thing. Yeah. It's the same thing, whether we look at it or not. And as you said, 
what you call it again? The implied. Implied <laughs> sex work. I mean, it's it's the same thing as versus yes, two. Me standing out on this on a corner and he's pulling up to me saying he wants me and I'm giving him, I'm telling him this is what I want. Only difference is I didn't have to go bake no no cornbread. Yes, definitely. Now I may have to stand up there a couple of hours on my feet. This is <laughs> so I'm anxious to get up in this car <laughs> to rest a little bit. Oh, trust me, I know the feeling when it's cold outside. <laughs> all you want is a warm car to jump into. You be like, when the nets will come around, I am getting, I'm getting in up the, in here. Yes, period. <laughs> At least to ride around the block. Thank you so much for sharing. Regina, so you on the question that we're discussing. A late bloomer again. Okay. <laughs> um, my young years, I always had a job. I worked. Okay. Then as I got older, I saw some razzle-dazzle and I didn't know where it was coming from. So like I said, I was very nosy. So that's when I learned the world of fraud and scamming and all that stuff. So I had that phase of my life. And then I've always been very close to the phrase of sometimes you have to use what you have to get what you Mm -hmm. want. Yes. So during a period of no job, just getting out of a situation, I began my world of sex work. Yes. It didn't last long because it wasn't me. I never had regulars because I'm a very dominant individual when it comes to my body and my person. So I was very, you do what I say. My money was on this dresser mm-hmm. and then you were beat if you moved wrong. <laughs> I so like that. I was very that way. You should have had I a perfect it. client. So yes. you know, people would say, girl, this is not for you. <laughs> Trust me. Trust so see, me. I, I wasn't I one of the girls that had regulars. I wasn't one of the girls that, I mean, if if you were a regular, you were somebody that just was a pain freak. <laughs> <laughs> you should have been advertised on the BSM. <laughs> Trust me, I'm pretty sure she had some coming back specifically for that. Yes. Specifically for that. Yes. Because it was just things I yes. wasn't. It was just things when I was, when I was living that life, it was things I wasn't going to do. Yeah. And so it lasted about a year. Yeah. And I was a, definitely a scary cat when it came to on the street. Oh, yeah. That was never for me. So oh, I was to, you know, call me, call me on the phone, let me see what you got going on, and come on in. <laughs> I say this, sex work, I, 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 work, I did sex work for over 13, well, 14 years. And I, even before all of this, I used to be a real huge advocate and I argued with family members there, but sex work is work. You know, yes, it, it taught me advertisement. It taught me development. It taught me how to manage, organize logistically trips, how I traveled around the country and went into countries that people like myself, girls like ourselves, not even allowed in. Yes. That I've been able to make thousands of dollars in. Yes. When I say Middle Eastern countries and stuff like that. And yes, I did risk my life at times. And yes, I did have incidents at times that, you know, guys had, you know, pretty much essentially beat me. You know what I'm saying? But... And that's why I sit here and I'm so strong the way I am today is because yeah. I, I I rise above all of that. Yes, you know I saying? rise. But it still was work for me and it took care of me well. Yes. It yes. took care of me damn well. I stayed in condos majority of my four, them 14 years of working. I stayed in expensive cars. I never had to move back home for anything. You know, I didn't have to... And I was essentially helped start taking care of my mother. Yes. You know, who was, was on drugs at the time. So for me, it helped me a lot. 
you know, so to see that sex work is so visible now and so many people is advocating for it, my heart just like, oh, I guess get... Oh, it makes me I'll so I get so excited. Did they ever legalize it in Georgia? <laughs> 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 this, this one stream of income. Listen. Listen. And I'm going to say that that's part of the reason why probably a lot of women aren't engaged in it is because it's not legalized in mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. But the point of it is, is that I say this, is that why is it not legalized? And why are we still allowing, yes, you know what I'm saying, so. society to police us and tell us what we can and cannot do? Especially and it's always one moment after the next. We got the abortions. I mean, Roe v. Wade. We got the queerness now issues. Now, it's, it's always a policing over our bodies. Yes, it is. That, that's time. the part, part that I think that pushes people even back, like with the whole conservative liberal part. Yeah. It pushes people into that conservativeship because it's always hatred spilled out towards Yes, it is. Outrunning, trying to outrun the stigma. Trying to outrun the stick, but that is so true. Come on, yeah. Thank you for that. <laughs> so this is actually going to be our final question before we close out for today, right? So considering you, you ladies here are all so accomplished in your fields, and you've all done amazing work, what are the stepping stones that got you to where you are today? I'll start with you, um, Zahara. We'll go down the panel. And this is actually our, la- live, our last question. Mm-hmm. And then we'll say goodbye to our wonderful, amazing audience that joined us um, for today's podcast. But go ahead, Zahara. Let's hear from you. Um, my stepping stone started in 2006 into 07. Okay. Um, I came off a tour from sex work. Um, but I had started, you know, transitioning more into, like, the woman I am. I started, yes. you know, doing more things that, you know, I was going into my affirming surgeries, care and stuff like that. So it was kind of pushing me away from, you know, sex work a little bit, you know. And then my mindset started changing too. I had been doing it so long, you know, um, as I got older, as I told you all, I grew up in a white-collar family, so I kind of wanted to leave a statement here. I wanted to do something. And as we saw, like, the work I used to do, like, I get all this stuff I got. I used to have to travel over two hours out of my lived area just to get, like, hormones, to get any any treatments. So for me, my stepping stone was living on the side in the urban community, seeing people, black trans women mm-hmm. being murdered on a regular as Chicago as being the number one, you know, city in state, state of Illinois being the number one of trans murders mm-hmm. in the United States. Seeing that happening, particularly happening on the west side of Chicago, not making it into any news footages made me want to do more. Made me want to use my voice and say, you know what? I can do this. So what I did was I came off tour. I stayed with my friend for a year. I came out the room one day and I told her I want to work. Yes. She went. She said, okay, I got you. She went to work. She had talked to one of um, our other friends that we grew up with. She said, she said, send, it, um, send in your resume. I'm going to help you do your resume. I did my resume or whatever, sent it in, and I never looked back. Oh, that is amazing. And thank you. Thank you for taking advantage of the, the stones, the stepping stones that were laid out for you. Having the community connection, having a friend, right? Because mm-hmm. it's so important for us to have someone to talk to. Having someone who could support you as you transition from one career to another. Mm-hmm. I'll go to you, Nesla Tanya. What were some of those stepping stones in your life that got you to where you are today? I'll say surviving all of the traumas that I experienced. Mm-hmm. You know, you always want to say, well, why me? Why me? And I got to a point in my life where I realized that all of those traumas, even though I didn't receive the blessing, I received a lesson to make my life purposeful so that I can teach other people that survival is possible, you know, after trauma. 
For me, I think my stepping stone started when I was younger. I've always been a helper. I've always had a soft heart for people going through. So when the kids were sleeping on sofas and being taken advantage of and people letting you move in to try to have sex with you, I had a sore spot for stuff like that. And I despised people who did stuff like that. So I always had a house full of individuals that were, you know, that I took care of. I was their gay mother. That's how that happened. And so I took care of them. And so pushing forward, hard knocks. And me getting on my knees, praying, asking God, what was my destiny? Mm. I wanted to know, where am I supposed to be in life? Because I had been a manager at a restaurant for 20 years. I had, you know, I worked. I was always promoted to manager, supervisor, general manager. So I knew there was something more, though, because I was always working for somebody else. Mm. And so when this blessing was, when God blessed me with this thought... Me and a friend of mine just put it into fruition. And he's been blessing me ever since to sustain. Mm. So from 2018, I'm still here. Mm-hmm. 2023. Thank you. Thank you for that. And thank you for um, answering the question. All right, ladies. Well, thank that you, is Laura. it. I'm so happy to have you all here. You all are so brave and so courageous. You've done some amazing work in your life. And you're going to continue to do amazing work as well. Thank you for being a part of today's podcast, which is held live behind the scenes here at the Biomedical Summit in Las Vegas. We're so excited to have our beautiful ladies here to be a part of this podcast. And today's event is also a part of MMAC's partnership with the CDC PAC program. MMAC is proud to be working with the CDC, community-based organizations, and trusted messengers to help share materials from Let's Stop HIV together. And you can find out more at the CDC dot com slash stop HIV together. Thank you for joining us, ladies. 